Joining us now in the program as we wind down is Tara Eshri. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Tara. Thanks for having me. We should point out that uh, you frequently uh, follow this program. Yes, I do. I listen to it usually when I'm in the station. But I mean, you yourself are the DJ that comes in and does the eclectic mix of things that uh, we love so much about KDVS. Exactly. Yep, and I love being here at KDVS. <laughs> as we pass the baton sometimes, as it were, you and I have been talking about... Um, the whole situation in Iran and being of Iranian extraction, you certainly had some opinions on that, and I thought we should kick a little bit of this around for our listeners. Okay, sounds good. And we have The Atlantic, I think, as inspiration here, the article there about uh, about how a lot of folks want, to go, want us to go in, Israel's talking about going in, and it makes me nervous. I mean, definitely it's a scary thing. It's very scary, especially, you know, having family that's in Iran right now. And, you know, I mean, we've been going through a lot over there, especially like since Ahmadinejad took office in 2005. The last time I was in Iran was 1999. Okay. And I was 11 years old. Okay. And, you know, it was it was safe to be there, you know. It, it's still safe to be there. It's just I necessarily wouldn't want to travel there in this certain situation that we're in now. How, how has it been loosened up in terms of the whole thing about having to wear the burqas and all that and then the religious police and all that? Is it is it been is it loosened up a bit? I would say under Khatami, who was the guy before Ahmadinejad, mm-hmm. he took office, I think, like late 90s. I think it was 97. Okay. And he's he was basically like a reformist to the certain extent that he could be. He wanted to, you know, bring a little bit more dialogue in with other nations instead of just having this sort of like clash of civilizations kind of thing. He wanted there to be dialogue between Iran and Israel and the West. The problem there was that the president of Iran doesn't necessarily have the ultimate power the supreme leader does. We should we should reiterate that. We've talked about it in the yeah. show before. It's really the the the, the Ayatollah. It's Khamenei yeah. and his and his cronies that are really running the show. Ahmadinejad is like their puppet basically. It's true. Khamenei is the number one guy and but I mean still Ahmadinejad is the one that's putting out the image, is the one right. making the statements. The grand Ayatollah, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't come out in public and say that much. It's more Ahmadinejad that's coming out and just with these crazy statements, you know? Right. And it's just like so out there that you're just like, whoa, like this guy is way beyond anything that even makes sense. In a certain way, it's like he's almost a caricature, I feel like, of the Iranian theocracy right now because it's really hard to take him seriously based on the kind of things he says, but still, I mean, he manages to piss a lot of people off. (laughs) Well, there's certainly what has everyone's knickers in a knot is this whole thing about becoming a nuclear power and, yeah. and this is this has been what they're talking about they're talking about israel's making noise about going in there and attacking the reactor and knocking mm-hmm. the whole thing out yeah and um most people say well if iran becomes a nuclear power you know that that isn't necessarily good but it's not going to change much of anything right as far as that goes the threat of a nuclear iran it's an idea that's scary to a lot of people you know just 
the idea that there's this administration that, you know, who knows what their motives are. They might want to express their hatred towards whoever. But the ultimate thing that comes down to is that if you have a nuclear weapon and you're sitting on it, like the chances of you using that weapon, even if you have it, you that's going to destroy your country. Well, the thing is, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember getting under our desks, you know, when they were thinking about a nuclear attack yeah. taking place as a school kid. And we thought the Russians were going to come over here and blow us to smithereens, maybe. Uh-huh. And uh, when they keep talking about Iran or, or North Korea or these other na- other states attacking somebody with a nuclear weapon, it's like a nuclear weapon comes with a return address. Exactly. You, you know, you can't you can't very well launch one without getting retribution. And if it stopped yeah. the Russians when they had fifteen thousand of them, it's certainly going to stop anyone else. What I think the logical point in all of this is that Israel, if they were to go in attack these you know weapons facilities. The threat that that is going to cause to not only other countries in the Middle East, to Israel, to you know Jews all over the world, not only is it going to cause a threat to them, but it's going to ruin the economy of the Middle East, of the world probably, probably oil prices. The number one thing that comes out of that is that gives Iran a motive to retaliate. And ultimately, that's going to create a much bigger threat than Iran potentially creating these weapons. You look at the map. I mean, you got Iraq on the left, and you got Afghanistan on the right. If mm-hmm. you bring war to 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 Iran in the middle with sixty million people, I mean, you got you got major problems. It would be a catastrophe, and I think Israel's government and Netanyahu they know that it's going to be a catastrophe. Right now, I feel like the sort of situation that's going on, and the statements that are coming out, it's more like a symbolic kind of war going on more than like you know an actual threat we're all, we're all just guessing but i'm kind of curious what do you hear from your family did, did they have any opinions about this i know that when they communicate sometimes they have to be a little careful about what they say because it's being monitored but do you hear do you get any feedback from them about this it's a weird situation i think and we were talking about this actually before the show about the whole idea of the image of a people being connected to their government and my family and everybody that I know that's Iranian is 100% against the administration right now. And they obviously don't want to go to war with anyone. I mean, right. they have right. no interest in going to war. That's the government. Even the government themselves, the Iranian government, it's kind of like more of a show of power, like creating these nuclear weapons. So it's like, oh, we're not inferior to these other countries that do right. have the weapons. I think that's ultimately what it's about. Obviously, my family is afraid of the threat of an attack to Iran. I mean, some of these research facilities are in like the most beautiful places in Iran. There's one in oh, Esfahan. Really? Esfahan, I've been there one time, and the architecture there it was like most amazing thing I've ever seen. Oh wow! And I did not know that. Just the idea of like you know potential bomb in that area that's like really scary, you know. 7,000 years of civilization going into that. You're going to ruin those buildings. There's the chance of that happening. I mean, that's scary. We've made it this far. We, they were talking about an attack taking place this week, and it, it hasn't happened so far. So I guess all we, can, all we can do is continue to watch this and just talk about this as, you know, as informed people or yeah. people trying to get the data here. But what's, the reason I wanted to have you come on and talk about this is that Rick Steves recently went to Iran, and he showed... Um, a very extensive travel log of going around just talking to Iranians, mm. and then you know, it was just—it was like it was so interesting because 
people to people, it's like, there's no issue here. If the, mm. the Iranians couldn't have been nicer to him. He couldn't have liked them yeah. anymore. Everybody was getting along just great. Mm-hmm. But when you get saber-rattling governments involved, that's when things go True. south. Part of the reason I think the whole green movement, I mean, if people don't know what that is, it's when last June there was an election, the last election in Iran, where basically it was glaringly obvious that it was rigged. The elections there have been rigged for years, but it got to a point where um, Musavi, the the front runner against Ahmadinejad, demanded that justice be brought and that you know there was an answer to all this. That whole thing basically made it a little bit more clear the will of the Iranian people because Iranians all over the world, I mean, every Iranian that I knew was standing up against Ahmadinejad for Musavi, you know, chanting, right. where is my vote? Where is my vote? That's the real will of the Iranian people is that they don't want this administration. You know, they don't want this imposed kind of theocracy on them. I mean, if you're going out to the villages, like they necessarily don't know what's going on with the whole political thing. But if you're in the capital, people know what's going on and they're fed up and they're sick of it. If you're an American going to travel to Iran, I know a few that have gone. I want to go myself, by the way. You might have trouble getting a visa. They give you a hard time sometimes. Hmm. But if you go there as an American, the people there are nothing but welcoming to Americans. Well, that's what you hear universally. You hear that universally. So it's really odd we're having a talk about potential conflict, armed Mm -hmm. conflict between various nations. Yeah. There has to be some way for this administration now to come down. And I don't think that the answer is a is a military attack. I don't think in any way that military solution is going to do anything. All it's going to do is create more problems. You know, if the change in Iran has to come internally, but as far as, you know, what we're going to do from the outside, it has to be something non-military. And Israel to call on America to do something about it, the only thing I think America and Obama can do is basically just facilitate the dialogue between Israel and Iran. You know, as a as a middleman, I mean, Obama last June in his talk in Egypt that he gave basically said that he wanted to open up dialogue with the Middle East to get through these issues. Military solution is just going to close that all off and it's going to make them hate Israel more. I'm with you. I have no argument from me. I just think the whole thing's crazy. I think we're going to have to see what happens over the next uh, probably few weeks. It's kind of a critical time as we sort of ramp up toward an election. That's when a lot of people do things to kind of get votes. So if we can, I think between now and November, if nothing happens, I think we'll probably be okay in this. As far as what I've heard, I'm pretty sure Obama is against any sort of attack, if not for the basic reason of we'd be tangling ourselves up in another mess that's probably going to take another 10 years to get out of, just like Afghanistan, just like Iraq. Do we have the money for that? No. Do we have a motive for that? No, we don't. That's the long and the short of it for me. Well, Tara Eshri, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I hope you'll come back in the future as we see this whole thing evolve. And, and before we go, plug your show. Stay tuned for oral fixations coming up next. You'll regret it if you don't. (laughs) All right. Our thanks to our good pal, Will Durst and Burt Wilson. We hope to have Burt back on the show in the future as well. This issue is not going to go away. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time. If you come around here, I'll make a move.
chains. Every step I get to, I'm clocking. 